So before I started to work here at Mission Valley five years ago, do you guys know what I did? Was I a construction worker? Was I a police officer? Does anybody know? Yeah, I was in hotel management. I was in hotel management. And um, I was in hotel management for about 10 years. Um, It was an awesome time. Um, I was able to live at different places like Hawaii, Palm Desert. Uh, Met a lot of great people almost every day, right, throughout the world. Worked with great leaders and employees. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I worked in housekeeping, bell, valet, concierge, front desk, you name it. And even a sushi chef as well, too, at one point. So I did it all. I did it all. And I remember one time when um, I was in housekeeping and I was checking some rooms and I noticed there was a crack on the wall. So then I called my maintenance personnel. He came in. He filled in the crack. He replastered the wall and repainted the wall. And look, good as new. I'm like, all right, cool. A couple weeks later, I go in and guess what? The crack came back. I'm like, what the heck, right? So I called the same guy over. And I wasn't very nice, I think. I called the same guy over. He kind of scratches his head this time. He kind of looks at it a little bit more. But he does the same thing. He fills the crack. He repaints the wall. And it looks good as new. And a month passes. And guess what? I go back into the same room. The crack was there. And he brought his friends, his homies with him. There's more cracks. There's like cracks all over the place. So... I'm like, all right, I'm not going to call this maintenance guy anymore. I'm going to call the director of engineer who oversees the maintenance department. He comes and he takes a look at it and he tells me, man, Mako, I can't do anything about that. It's like, what do you mean? He said, I can fix the crack or fill in the crack. I can replaster the wall, repaint the walls. But the is- issue is deeper than that. It's a foundational issue. So even if I replaster everything, eventually it's going to come back again. And I was thinking, that's so true. The foundation of the floor is the most important component of a building. You can have gold toilets. You can have totoro bidets, nice bidets, right? The nicest linen, furniture. But if it does not have a sound foundation, it doesn't mean anything because eventually the building is going to fall. And when I thought about that, I was like, man, that's like our lives, right? A lot of times we have cracks in our lives and we just want to patch it up and hope that it goes away. But haven't you noticed that it keeps coming back? Because we're not dealing with the foundation. So this morning, Jesus tells us the importance of having a great foundation in your life. So if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And we have it on the screen as well. Jesus himself tells us, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, 
and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Wow. Jesus warns us that the dangers of hearing his word without doing what it says, straight out in this parable. The life that lasts is built on the word of God. And here Jesus uses two homes to illustrate two lives. He's not comparing an atheist to a Christian here, or maybe like a Buddhist to a Christian. He's saying that these two homes represent two people that profess Christ as Lord and Savior. He's comparing apples to apples according to outward appearances. So let's take a look at the similarities. And I want to point out three similarities. The first one is both builders have heard the gospel. Right? Both builders heard the gospel. Jesus tells us that both heard these words of mine. They both knew the way to salvation. That's clear. Number two... The houses were probably built around the same location. And you might be asking, Mako, where'd you get that from? Well, they were affected by the same storm, right? So that tells me that maybe they were neighbors, they lived in the same town, maybe they even went to the same church or part of the same life group or had same fellowship with the same friends. And number three, the implication is that they both built similar homes. Outwardly, their houses were very much alike. From all appearances, the foolish man lived much in the same way as a wise man. We might say they were both religious, moral. Maybe they served at church. They gave financially and were responsible citizens. They seemed to believe alike and live alike. But one man's confidence is in the Lord, and the other man's is in itself. They had many similarities, but the most important difference was in their foundation. So this morning, I want to ask the million-dollar question. Why would anyone build their lives on sin? Verse 26 of Matthew 7 tells us, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So let's take a look at the characteristics of this foolish man. First, he has a shallow relationship with God. A shallow relationship with God. We see that the foolish man has a shallow and superficial relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with a person, a loving and caring relationship 
is going to determine how you respond to that person's instructions. For instance, if my mom asked me to do a favor, I'll say sure. It might be a huge inconvenience. And most of the time it seems like a huge inconvenience. But I'll say sure. Compared to a stranger that might ask me for the same favor, I might not do it if I don't have the time. See, this foolish person has a shallow and superficial relationship with Jesus Christ, and he does not take Jesus' word seriously. He does not obey. The foolish person only takes the part of Scripture that they like and avoid the hard saying of Jesus altogether. The words of Jesus that says, Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. The foolish person likes everything about God being love, right? We all like that. He likes everything that gives him a feeling of comfort, peace, and joy. We all like that. He likes the forgiveness part of sin. We all like that. He likes the acceptance of sinners. But, and this is a big but, but he doesn't like the consequences of sin. He doesn't like the part of God who judges us And hell is inconceivable. This foolish person calls Jesus Lord and Savior, but it's only lip service. They're empty words. How can you call Jesus Lord if you don't submit to what he's telling us? He doesn't attend to obey the words of Jesus. This foolish person wants God's blessings, but he doesn't want God. He wants all the benefits of Christ, life, death, and resurrection. But he doesn't want to surrender his life to Jesus Christ. He is foolish and does not apply the words of Jesus because he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus to begin with. See, when we don't apply God's word and ignore his word, it's a symptom of something greater, a greater problem that we may not have a relationship with Jesus at all. Unfortunately, there may be some of us here today. Second point, he is an independent builder. When I read this passage, I wonder, I really wondered, if anyone told him, hey, don't do that. You're building your house on sand. What are you thinking? Right? What are you thinking? What's wrong with you? I mean, you have a nice house, but it's on sand. That made me realize he didn't have a godly community. No one spoke the truth to him that he's building his life on sand. Perhaps he attends church on a regular basis every Sunday, but never opened up to anyone. He had no mentors in his life that discipled him. He probably declined to join a life group because he's too busy and it's not a priority. And he believed that he can live life on his own. Or maybe he did have people telling him and warning him. But maybe he was too prideful. He didn't want godly counsel. He didn't want to receive any advice from anyone. Or perhaps maybe he did have community. Maybe he did. But maybe he had a worldly community. People that also built their homes on sand as well. 
And I could just imagine them saying, hey, look at your neighbor. What a fool. He's still digging. And you're almost done with the roof. Don't be like that guy. He's working too hard. So I believe this is a reminder that godly relationships are crucial. We all need people to spot out our blind spots and to keep us accountable. We need godly people encouraging us and especially praying for us. We need that. We need people to live life with. We were not meant to live life alone. Third point, he's short-sighted. He's short-sighted and doesn't prepare for the future. While building this house without a foundation, this foolish person never asks, what may happen in the future? He's not interested in what the Bible has to say. He doesn't take account what storms may come and doesn't care to test whether his house will stand. When you get a job out of college or when you have a child, one thing that you do, you probably plan financially, right? Most of you guys plan financially, right? Why? Why do you guys do that? Why? There's, there's multiple, there's mul- yeah, exactly. There's multiple answers to this, right? The future, right? But also you, you save for that rainy season, maybe an emergency. But ultimately, you know your kid is going to go to college one day. So you want to set aside some funds for them to go to school. But also, you know that retirement is coming. But the foolish man doesn't think like that. He doesn't believe that there is an eternity. He doesn't believe there is life beyond the life that he is living right now. He lives for the moment and doesn't plan for the future. He's living it up. But what if, what if I told you God says in his word, there is an eternity waiting for you. There is a hell, unfortunately, and there is a heaven. The decisions that we make today will affect the condition that you will be in later. Foolish man doesn't prepare for eternity. He doesn't prepare for the future. He doesn't realize that one day, one day, this is going to happen to everyone here. One day, he will stand before God, our creator, to give an account of the life that he lived and the choices that he made. That's going to happen. 100% guaranteed. Everyone. So do you identify with this foolish man? Do you guys identify? Yeah, of course. All of us can. But the point of this parable is not for us to remain in foolish living. Jesus is inviting us to live another way. Jesus gives us the parable so that we may be people who put our trust in God's word and apply it into our lives Jesus tells us that the wise man paid attention to the most important aspect of his life. The foundation. The foundation. The most crucial part of the building is underneath and unseen. You can't see it from the outside. You may fool other people, but you can't fool God. You will not know what foundation you build upon unless you're tested. Trials in your life will surely come. You're either in a storm 
coming out of a storm or approaching a storm. It's going to happen. We live in a fallen world. That is the reality of life. The storms of life will hit us when we least expect it. And view that nothing matters more than the foundation. Jesus says that everything we build in this world, our relationships, our friendships, our career, our faith, our whole view of life is going to be tested. We're going to constantly be tested. How do you know what foundation you're building off if it's not tested? It has to be tested. You won't know the truth unless you're tested. How do we know if the Lakers are going to win the championship this year? On paper, like Pastor Dave saying, well, we're going to win the championship. We have Anthony Davis. Well, prove it on the court. That's why they play games. They're going to be tested during the season and in the playoffs. You could tell me all day long, my life is built on Jesus. My hope is built on Jesus. I cling on to every promise of God. But how do we know if it's true? How do we know if it's true? In this parable, the rains came down, the floods rose, the winds beat against these two houses. This is life happening. We get sick. We experience loss or disappointment. You get fired or laid off from your job. Perhaps you're betrayed by someone who you trusted. These happen. I know it happens within our church body. It's losing a family member or friend suddenly. And recently for me, it's a doctor telling me that we need to perform emergency brain surgery on your dad. And he might die during surgery. How do you know what you're made of without these trials? You'll never know what type of foundation you have. God uses these storms for us to become more like Christ. You've got to have that perspective. 1 Peter 5.10 tells us, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Ultimately, ultimately, I believe these storms are tests that are preparing us for the ultimate storm of judgment. This specific storm in this parable is about judgment. Verse 27 tells us, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And highlight this, And great was the fall of it. And great was the fall of it. If you have Christ as your foundation, you will stand. You will have eternal life. If you have built your life on anything besides Christ, anything besides Christ, Jesus tells us that your fall will be great and you will be judged and sent to hell. Even though there there might be many people confessing, Lord, Lord. We learned that a couple weeks ago, right? But their words are empty. Their hearts are empty. They don't truly mean it. I have a quote from John MacArthur. And he writes, Genuine believers are characterized by a deep love for Christ. 
And that love manifests itself in obedience. By contrast, those who do not love the Lord, either by the way they say or how they live, evidence the fact they do not belong to him. So the hope that we have is with this wise man. We should desire to be this wise man with the way that he built his house on a solid foundation. It did not come to ruin. He built his house on the rock. Why? Because the wise man obeyed and applied the word of God into his life. Why does a wise man apply God's word? What's so different about this guy? And I have three points, characteristics of a wise man. The first one is he has a deep, deep relationship with Christ. The wise man views Jesus as someone with authority. And Jesus is truly his Lord. He's not faking it. Jesus is truly his Lord. He applies the words of Jesus. Not just the benefits of obedience, but an intimate, transforming relationship with Christ. We actually get a fuller picture of this wise man in a parallel passage. In Luke chapter 6. Verse 48. And Jesus describes this wise man. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Do you get that? Who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. This guy dug. A wise man digs down deep below and lays a foundation on the rock. That's who the wise man is. Whereas a foolish man never laid a foundation. He had a beautiful house, but he had no foundation. So what is this rock? I'm telling you, he's not the wrestler or the actor. Who is this foundation? Well, 1 first, first Corinthians 3.11 tells us who this rock is. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rock of our lives. Jesus is our foundation. This means that he is the basis of our life. We build our life upon Jesus and what he has to say. We view everything from his perspective. Not our perspectives, but his perspective. We submit to everything that he tells us. See, this wise man, he has a vibrant, growing relationship with Christ. This wise man is described as a person who takes the word of God seriously. He's not a guy who just shows up, maybe just listening to a message, and throughout the week listens to the fish. 95.9, I believe, the fish. But he takes the word seriously. He's not only reading scripture, but he's meditating on the word of God. He's consumed by scripture. He's He's that serious. He's thinking deeply about what the word of God means. He's searching and digging because he wants the truth of God into his entire life. He wants the truth. He doesn't want the half gospel 
that God is love. Yes, he's love, but also he's going to judge us one day as well too. So his motivation is grounded on love. And church family, this is a serious question. I want you to answer to yourself. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Amen. Then you obey his words. John 14, 15 tells us, Jesus himself said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You think Jesus is messing around? It's straight, it's clear. He wants us to obey. How can you obey his word if you don't know his word too? You guys ever thought about that? Are you digging deep into the word of God so you can apply it in your life? If your answer is no, you can start today. That's the beautiful news. God has grace. You can start today. You can start by confessing your need for him today. You can confess by saying, God, I haven't loved you as I should. Be honest with God. You have not been my foundation. I've been building my life on something other than you, Lord Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, you can start today as well. The word of God calls everyone to repent and put your faith into Jesus Christ. Deepen your faith in Jesus, the one who lived the perfect life, the one who died a sinner's death, the one who was resurrected in glory for you and for me. Amen? And also, if you don't have a Bible, I want you to have a Bible. If you see John back there, we have some Bibles back there too. So please take this. If you want to learn more about Christ, read it and see firsthand that he is God. He is our creator. John, can you wave your hands back there? See, John, he has a couple of Bibles back there as well too. Okay? But also, everyone here, we have different great resources for you to dig deeper into God's word. Right? We have Chris Rapp's class every Sunday at 9 a.m. They're going through the Sermon on the Mount. We also have a lot of brothers and sisters who love the Word, and they're in a ministry called Bible Study Fellowship. Can you guys clap, whoever is in Bible Study Fellowship? <laughs> I was in Bible Study Fellowship too before. But I highly recommend you going. The only reason why I left BSF was because I went to, um, I, I started to attend seminary. So that's a good reason, right? <laughs> but it's awesome because you go through the Bible word for word and you realize that every word has a purpose. You realize that God wrote the Bible. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Ask, so ask God to open your eyes and see the beauty of Jesus Christ in his word and surrender. Worship him. Adore him. Say, Lord, help me to dig into your word more so I can obey you. And apply it to my life. Second point, second characteristic of this wise man, he's a communal builder. 
I believe that this man had community. And once again, you guys might be asking, well, where'd you get that? I didn't see that in that passage. Well, verse 24 tells us that this wise man was obedient, right? The Bible tells us, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And God has called us to community. Hebrews 10, 24 tells us, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The wise man has people keeping him accountable. He knows that he can't do this alone with the devil prowling around to destroy his life. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's dangerous. Seeking someone to devour. The apostle Peter wrote this himself. So in this world, we are so tempted to build our lives on sin. The devil wants to ruin our lives. We need to watch each other's backs. To keep each other accountable, to obey God's word, and to stay away from sin. And personally speaking, I'm blessed to have such great brothers. I have Pastor Dave, I'm blessed. I have Chet. I have my brother Rocky. He's a pastor as well. And to be honest with you, Chet knows, sometimes I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. You know that, right? (laughs) But I know that he loves me and that he will speak the truth to me. He's not going to sugarcoat things. And that's the most loving thing that you can do to someone. I feel like in our churches today, there's a lot of sugarcoating. You just want to make people feel good. But if you have a relationship with somebody, you can speak the truth to them. You can warn them that they're living their life on sin. They bring up blind spots and bring up concerns regarding your foundation. If you have a person that is looking after you. That's the reason why having a brother or sister in Christ is so, so important. Because the world's not going to tell you you're building your house on the sand because they're building their house on sand as well. They think that you're doing the right thing. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen tells us, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. That is why brotherhood and sisterhood is so important. We are called to encourage one another towards obedience and building a firm foundation in Christ. That's our calling, guys. And recently I was reminded of community. As I mentioned before, a month ago my dad had emergency uh, brain surgery. But man, I've been blown away by my life group. Thank you so much, 2-4 family. They've been faithfully praying for my dad. 
They came by to visit my dad. They brought food, not for my dad, but for us, me and my family, because he, he couldn't eat at the hospital. So thank you for that. But also church family, you guys have been incredible. And my dad, he was part of the senior group. And thank you, Yiriko-san, for um, sharing with everybody else the prayer requests. Because I believe because of your prayers, he's getting stronger every day. So please keep the prayers coming. Prayer is a game changer. Prayer is a game changer. So thank you so much. But I don't think, I, I don't know how we would have made it as a family without our community. And that's how important community is. So my encouragement to you, church family, if you're not part of a life group, pray about it. And we also came out with these life group lists here. We have them. Mr. John again. John, can you wave? He has a list. We have 11 groups listed here, but we now have 12 groups. But there's different groups We meet at different uh, days of the week and different times. But that's the reason why we have community. That's why life group is so important. And I know that most of us are in life groups, but this is out of love. I know that some of you are not in a life group. And you need to be in a life group. Amen? Also, if if you want to be discipled, or if you want to mentor somebody, Please let me know, because I think all of us are called as Christians to have a Paul, to have a mentor, and to have a Timothy, someone to pour into as well, too. So um, if you want to get connected with someone, please let me know. Please see me after service. And the third and final point, he has an eternal perspective. In contrast to the foolish man who is short-sighted. Eternal perspective means that because you have a solid foundation with Jesus, there's hope for eternal life. That life doesn't begin and end here on earth. This hope will dictate how you live and how you build your life today. Decisions that you make today will impact eternity when you build on the foundation of Jesus we do have to ask the question, with what materials are we building with? Will it last? Will it endure? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's an interesting passage here that relates to our passage today. This is what Paul the Apostle writes about. Verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Here he's talking about a believer here. 
He's talking about the materials in which you build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Question this morning, what are you building that will have eternal significance? I want you guys to ask yourself that. Are you building something that will last or that will perish one day? We're all building something. Either our family, we're all, all of us are here today. Maybe we're building the church together, right? Maybe it's a business or a career or a diploma. Maybe it's wealth. There's nothing wrong with building these things. But are they being built with an eternal perspective? Are you building things with an eternal perspective? Anytime you're applying God's word in your life, even when you don't want to, you're doing something that will last. When you obey God, when you apply his word into your life, this is what Paul's talking about. It's going to last. These other things that you do without the Lord, they're all going to go away one day. So obedience is the key. And it's worth it. It's worth it. And seven months ago, I had a conversation with my dad. And we were talking. He just recently accepted Christ. And he asked me, he asked me if if he needs to get baptized. And I explained to him baptism and I told him, yes, as Christians, God has commanded us to be baptized. And then I love his response because he's very straight, straightforward. He's like, okay, then I need to get baptized. That was his response. I like that. Straightforward. And the month after, you can see my brother and I baptizing my dad. And, you know, when I was thinking about that day, there's a million excuses he had, and there were legit excuses. I mean, physically, he wasn't doing too well. I mean, I think we had the world record of the longest baptism. It's, I don't know if you guys remember, but it took us forever to get him in the, in the tub. I think uh, my wife and uh, Sam were thinking about helping <laughs> to lower him into the tub. But it was incredible because it was beautiful because he fought for Christ. He wanted to obey Christ. It wasn't this easy thing. He obeyed Christ. And at that moment, I saw my dad standing on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. He wanted Christ. And last week, I don't know if you guys cared, but I wasn't here. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. Pastor Dave probably did announcements. I'm sure he did a great job. But I was able to witness my nephew's baptism at uh, Evergreen. And I didn't know this, but when he was sharing his testimony, he said that um, he was inspired because he saw his Jichan being baptized. And he wanted that foundation as well. And 
right now, it's, it's given us a lot of peace. Um, it's been one of the hardest months for us as a family, just him recovering from that brain surgery. But the Lord's good. He's been sustaining us. And it's because we have that firm foundation of Jesus Christ. We know that he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. We know that he's faithful. And ultimately, I think the greatest thing that gives me peace is that I know that my dad is built to last. That's the key. He has Christ and he's built to last. And my question to you guys this morning are you built to last? Are you built to last? And if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to have the opportunity this morning. I'll ask Cole to come up as well too. Um, 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us Jesus is the only way to salvation. For there is one God and there's one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ, Jesus. Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6. Jesus tells us, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We are all sinners. And the only way that our sins can be forgiven is through Jesus Christ. You've got to repent and ask for forgiveness. And in Romans 10, 9. The Bible tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it's a promise. You will be saved. You will be saved. See, if you never embrace God's love and grace, or maybe you've even fallen away from Christ, I want to give an opportunity this morning to receive Jesus into your heart so that you can truly call God our foundation, our rock, and our Savior. So please join me in prayer. So if you've never accepted Jesus or you want to recommit your life to Christ, repeat this and make it as your own. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are God's son. You died on the cross for us. You rose again three days later from the grave. I am a sinner that needs you. Please forgive me of my sins. From today on, I'm asking you into my life as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. And with all heads bowed down and eyes closed, and if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want you to raise your hand. The Bible tells us that if you profess Christ in front of others, 
that he'll profess you in front of the Father. Oh, Father God, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you so much for sending your only son, Jesus, to die for our sins so that we can be saved, so that he can be our foundation, so that we can build our lives with confidence knowing that we will be built to last, Father God. And Father, I pray that we will continue as a church to dig deeper into your word. I pray that we would be committed to community, Father God, that we would watch each other's backs, that we would keep each other accountable out of love, Father God, and that we will continue to pray for one another. And Father God, I pray, I pray that we would do things with an eternal perspective, that we would stay faithful to you, that we will live out your word in our lives and that we will seek you and trust you and obey you because we want you to be glorified. So once again, Father God, we love you so much. We thank you so much for blessing our morning. We praise you. We give you all the glory and all the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.